You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Thank you for singing that. Take your Bibles tonight, if you would, please, and let's open them to the book of James, James chapter number five. And uh, just great music today in church. And I know we, we sprang some new songs on you tonight. Some of those songs may, are a little bit newer to you, paid in full, and joy comes in the morning. We, haven't, uh, we don't, haven't sang those a lot recently, and so we'll try to get those in circulation. <clears throat> Enjoyed that special from the teenagers, great song. And tonight in our Bibles, James chapter number five, we're going to be looking at our continuing our series of strengthening the church, strengthening the church. Last week, we looked at building relationships, strengthens the church, strengthening the church through building relationships. So we want to continue uh, with this idea of, of, of the church that, that Christ founded, of course, and we're, we're part of his of his people, or his church, and we want to do things at our church that Christ wants us to do. It's his church. And so what can we do to help strengthen the church uh, of God, the church of Christ? And, and, and this is important because the world needs churches. The world needs our church. Uh, Long Beach needs Gethsemane Baptist Church. There should be more of an amen on that. We, this city needs our church. Do you realize that? Absolutely. This is not just something we do as a pastime. No, it is necessary. Who is getting the gospel to North Long Beach? And so we are, we are trying to do our part and then supporting missionaries and sending them out. So to strengthen our church, look, we've all got to be on board of this thing. I got a text from Miss Ruth Dollar, who's in the hospital, and... Um, and uh, she's been dealing with pneumonia. She's getting out. Uh, maybe today she got out. If not, probably for sure tomorrow. And so she'll be in, in church next week. And she said, Pastor, I was just going back and listening to the message from last Sunday night. And I can't wait to be one of those people that uh, is building relationships. And she's always been super friendly and kind. But I was like, boy, I appreciate that. Someone who's taken the message and saying, yes, I, I want to do something with that because it's my church. And I want to help strengthen it. So there's another area tonight that I want to mention about, or preach about, regarding strengthening the church. Look in your Bibles, James chapter 5, verse 13. The Bible says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. What would you say is the main topic of the passage we just read? Prayer. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in the passage we just read is prayer mentioned. If you're afflicted, let him pray. 
If you're going through some issues, if there's sick people, let the elders pray over them. That talks about the prayer of faith. In verse 16, talks about confessing your faults to one another. Sharing life with other people. Sharing, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, with someone else. Not for the sake of, hey, I'm going to gossip, I'm going to put online. But you're sharing yourself with someone else so that you have someone who will pray for you. You realize there's some people, even in church, you can't trust? Honestly, there's some people you know you can't share that personal problem with or that, that, that thing you're struggling with or battling with because you feel like, oh, man, they're going to judge me. They're going to tell everybody. Man, if I tell so, everybody's going to know. But that's not how it's supposed to be. We, we've come into a 21st century mentality where, where we're more concerned with, with spreading stuff to other people and, and how much information I know than we are with actually praying for one another. You got a problem with somebody in church, are you praying for that person? Somebody else has got a problem with you in church, are you praying for that person? Take your Bible, go to 1 John, 1 John. And a chapter number five, I want you to see some things here. First John chapter number five, we, we have gotten away from prayer. We've substituted prayer with, with information. And what I mean is that sometimes we'll say, hey, tell me about that. Yeah, I just, you know, uh, so, so I can pray for you better. Oh yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? You know, just so you can pray for them. But the truth is, we don't pray for them. We ought to. The truth is, our first response, the Bible shows us here. Look at 1 John chapter number 5. Look at verse number 16. If any, if, and I hadn't even planned on saying this, by the way. I think the Lord's just leading here. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death. Okay, we know there are sins in the Bible that God says, you've crossed the line too many times, you're done here. Now, where do you say that? Every month, the Lord's Supper. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, many die. So there are sins that God can just say, okay, you know, you have lost your effectiveness as a Christian. You have lost your testimony. You are now leading people astray. You are being, uh, uh, and it's time for you to come home early. If any man sees brother sin a sin that's not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say he shall pray for it. In other words, if you see someone and, 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 and God is like, okay, I'm going to take this person off the earth, you don't have to pray for that. But here's the thing, John doesn't even tell us a lot about that. What he's basically saying in this passage is this. You don't know what other people are into. You don't know when God's going to take somebody off the earth. And what you ought to be doing, though, as your first response, your first response when you see a brother fall, when you see a Christian sin, when you see somebody going through something and, and, and it was their own fault, we hear about these, these, these people that were famous that have fallen into adultery, into drugs, or whatever. What is our first response? Biblically, it's prayer. It's prayer. Your first response is to pray for them. He shall ask. He shall give them life for them that sin not unto death. Verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. That means your sin's just as bad as everybody else's. There is a sin out of death. So we can sin and God doesn't decide to take us, obviously. But when someone sins, our first response is to be prayer. Our church, when you see a brother or sister in church going through a difficult time, the first response should be prayer, not, I wonder why they're going through that, what they do. When you see someone fall and they mess up, when they make a mistake, your first response should not be to post it online. 
It should be to pray for that person. Where have we fallen in our Christianity here? We're not Christians anymore. We're not praying for people anymore. We've elected ourselves as judges over everybody else when if they knew what was going on in our life, oh, we don't want that. Folks, let's get back to being Christians that pray for one another. Pray for one another, the Bible says. Confess your faults. And there ought to be people that that you can talk to and know that it's going to stop with them and that they're going to pray for you. Prayer. We're talking about prayer tonight. I haven't even prayed. For this. I prayed for the service, but I haven't opened in prayer. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get to the actual message I felt like the Lord's given, but just felt like that was on my heart. Father, bless now. Help us to get this thought of strengthening this church through the avenue of prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may know the, Hudson, you may know the name Hudson Taylor. Years ago, Hudson Taylor went to be a missionary to China. He started the Inland China Mission in the 1800s. You know, it, it was a big work. It was an amazing work. I've read uh, his, his, uh, the journal that his son wrote about him. It's an amazing book. It's called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. I highly recommend it. Hudson Taylor was sailing to China to begin his missionary work. As he was sailing, the ship was in great danger. The, the wind had died down. The, the current was carrying them towards some, some reefs, some sunken reefs, and, which were close to some islands that were inhabited by cannibals. So the ship was headed for these reefs where the only island around was cannibals. In fact, it, it says they were so close that they could see the fires on the shore of the cannibals. You say, What's a, if you don't know what a cannibal is, they eat people. It's people, all right? But there was no avail. And in his journal, this is what Hudson Taylor wrote. The captain said to me, well, we've done everything that can be done. A thought occurred to me, and I replied, no, there is one thing we have not done yet. The captain said, what's that? Hudson Taylor said, four of us on board are Christians. Let us each retire to our own cabin and in agreed prayer, ask the Lord to give us immediately a breeze. So Hudson Taylor goes back to his cabin, he prays briefly, and then he gets up and he is so certain that the answer is coming that he goes up onto the deck and asks the first officer to let down the sails. The captain said, or the man says, well, what good would, would that do? What would be the good of that? And Hudson Taylor said, I, I replied, I told him we had been asking a wind from God and that it was coming immediately. It did come. It came right after the prayer. He prayed, he trusted God, he let down the sails showing an act of faith, the wind, and the wind picked up, they got around, the, they didn't get eaten by the cannibals, he got to China, reached many people with the gospel, that's the, that's the power of prayer of righteous people, and that's really, more than that, it shows the power of God, the one who controls the wind and the waves. Someone said, Satan does not care how many people read about prayer if only he can keep them from praying. You know, simply put, say, well, what, what is prayer? Let me just briefly say what prayer is. It means to ask. That's what the word pray means. It means to ask. A lot of Old Testament sayings say, I, I pray you fetch a little water or something like that. And what he's saying is, I ask you, fetch a little water. So prayer is asking. That's what it is. Meditation is not prayer. And we ought to meditate on the Word of God. I'm all for that. I, I practice it. Uh, we ought to meditate on the Word of God. We ought to confess our sins. We ought to praise God. We ought to worship God. There ought to be thanksgiving. Those things are not prayer. Those could be a part of prayer, 
but they are not specifically prayer. Prayer is asking God. It's communication between you and the God of the universe. That is prayer. What kind of prayer strengthens the church? Quickly tonight, first of all, individual prayer strengthens the church. Individual prayer, say, say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you praying alone in your prayer closet. When we say prayer closet, it's an old word. It doesn't mean you have like an actual closet. You know, you sneak in. and If you want to have one, you can. You can totally have an actual prayer closet. Your prayer closet may be your car. It may be, you know, on your lunch break in your vehicle. It may be a room in your house. Uh, it, it may be, uh, uh, you know, I remember going to college and you're in a, in a dorm room full of three or four other guys and, and they're all getting ready and getting dressed. You don't have a quiet moment. I had to go find my prayer closet outside the dorm room. Sometimes early in the morning, sometimes late at night, sometimes cold, sometimes hot, but I had to have my time with God. Individual prayer, praying on your own time. A church, a stronger church member makes a stronger church. So we need you praying. And I want to ask you tonight, do you have a daily, quiet, consistent walk with God? Of prayer time with God. Individual prayer is the kind of prayer that strengthens a church. Small group prayer is the kind of prayer that, uh, that strengthens a church. Say, so what do you mean a small group? I mean you praying with somebody else. I mean you praying with your Sunday school class. I mean you praying with a couple people and getting together and praying with them. And, 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 and just small group prayer. That is something that strengthens the church. At a, at a prayer meeting or with a, another group of believers, churches are supposed to pray together. That's what they're supposed to do, and we're working on this. Our church, you know, I, I've mentioned this before. We, 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 I want more prayer times in our church. We're meeting this week. The staff are meeting this week to try to figure out a way uh, that we can help in this area. Individual prayer, small group prayer, corporate prayer. All of us together praying over things. We try to do this on Wednesday night. We have the prayer list. We bring it before you. We say, okay, let's all pray. We're trying to pray together as a church, and the early church did all of these things. Warren Wiersbe said, when a local church ceases to depend on prayer, God ceases to bless its ministry. Boy, that's, that's frightening to me. We have got to be about prayer. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I want to give you tonight, just quickly, three keys to prayer. We've got two baptisms tonight we'll get to, but three keys to prayer just to help you in your prayer life. You're in the book of 1 John. We're going to read in just a second. But the first thing I want to say in just in summarizing prayer and, and this is a very simplistic message on prayer. But I, I want to help strengthen you and thereby strengthen the church of God because we are the church. Number one, you have to be submitted. When it comes to prayer, you, you have to be submitted. 1 John chapter 5, we just read verses 16 and 17. I'm going to jump back up two verses here to verses 14 and 15. But before I read them, can I ask you a question? How do you react when God doesn't do what you think he should do? How do you react when God doesn't answer the prayer in the way that you asked him to answer it? What do you do when God is not on the same page with you? What do you do about that? Look at uh, 1 John 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. We, we have this boldness, this confidence in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear, that, that, and if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, many times... 
we read these verses and omit a prepositional phrase in our thinking. Here's how we read the verses, follow along. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, he heareth us. And if, and if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Did you notice the key prepositional phrase that I left out? If we ask according to his will, that is the key, according to his will. Here's the thing that God recently taught me about prayer, and, and uh, I feel like, you know, I'm like a, a, a student that I talked about this morning. I feel like God just has to teach me a lesson, and then later on, I have forgotten the lesson. And he's like, let me reteach you. Repetition's the key to learning. And then I go through it again, and I have to learn the lesson again. But here's the thing. Prayer is not about you getting God on the same page as you. Prayer is about you getting on the same page as God. That is what prayer's about. It's not about God, here's what I've got going on, here's what I want, please, you just do all these things that I want. Prayer is not that. Prayer, yes, we can ask and we should ask, but it should always be submitted to what God's will is. It should always be, God, here's what I've got going on in my life. What is your will about this? God, what is your will about this? Here's the situation. God, what is your will in regards to, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How should I act? God, what do I do here? Prayer is not as much, not, not about you getting God on the same page as you. It's about God is getting you on the same page as him. His will, his will is more important. And prayer is supposed to get you to, to value and to seek after his will, not our own. And, I mean, and, and we've said this so many times, but, but Jesus literally did that. He said, not my will, but thine be done. He was aligning the will of God and, and his will with the will of God. That's what he was doing. So when you're praying, there should always be a spirit of God Here's what I'm asking, but I am completely submitted to however you desire to answer this. And I want to ask for things that you want, because that's what praying in Jesus' name means. Praying in Jesus' name is not some magic wand or some magic formula where if I just attach Jesus' name to my prayer, then I get anything I want. That is not what it is. John R. Rice, famous you know, pastor years ago said, I am convinced that many of us are forgers, putting Christ's name to a prayer he would not sign, using his name to secure things he would not endorse. You know, and, and we do that so often to say, God, give me this, do this. And, it, and, and we can even pray for things that are wrong. We can pray for things that are not God's will. And no wonder we don't get them. And by the way, thankfully, we don't get those things. Have you ever prayed for something and then later said, God, thank you for not answering that prayer? I've done that. I said, Lord, this is what I want. This is what needs to happen. God, do this. And then months later, I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you so much that you did not answer prayers according to my stupidity. I didn't see it, but you did. Thank God for that. The idea behind asking in Jesus' name is that we are asking what he would want us to ask for. We are praying according to the will of God. It doesn't mean, hey, you'll get whatever you want as long as you say, in Jesus' name. 
It means you are praying in accordance to the will of God. It's like the man who had a coworker and asked his friend, he said, I heard you were on a diet. Why did you stop to get donuts? And the man said, well, I came around the corner where the donut shop was, and I told God if he wanted me to get donuts to just have a parking spot out front of the place. And he said, and you know what? On the eighth time around, there it was. And we're like that. You know, it's a sign. All that to say, look, yes, ask. Yes, pray. And you ought to ask for things. You ought to bring everything to God in prayer. But there should also be, if he doesn't answer the way you want, you submit and say, God, you know better than me. So God, I'm trusting your will in this thing. God, show me the path. What do you want me to do? I'm submitted to your will. I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Remember the Apostle Paul? He goes and he asks, uh, he, he goes to the Lord three times about his thorn in the flesh. Many people believe it had to do with his eyes. There's a lot of references to his eyes and different things in, in the Bible. And he had some kind of thorn, he had some affliction. And he went to the Lord three times. And the Lord said, basically, that's it, don't, don't ask again. And Paul said, hey, his grace is sufficient. <laughs> Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And then Paul said, hey, that's it. That's all I need to hear, God. I will, you know, if that's what your will is, if it's your will that I have this infirmity in the flesh, then hey, may the power of Christ rest upon me. I'll gladly take it. What's he saying? He's saying, God, I had a will, but you showed me that's not your will, so now my will changed. That's prayer. That's what it's supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to do in our lives. Number one, be submitted. Number two, be specific. Take your Bible, go to Mark chapter 10, if you would, please. Mark chapter 10, the last scriptural reference I'll have you turn to. Mark chapter number 10 in your Bibles. Mark 10, 46. Be specific in your prayers. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now, don't, don't let it confuse you what I'm saying. You ought to pray forever. You ought to pray to God about anything. But when I'm talking about praying in Christ's name, pray, you, you ought to also be praying for things you know God wants, too. Some things you don't know what God wants. And so you're coming with a submitted heart saying, God, this is what I think, this is what I would like, but I'm submitted to you. And then other things, you know God wants them. You know God wants that person saved, so pray for that person to get saved. You know God wants that person in church, pray that person gets into church, things like that, right? So don't, don't mistake those two, those two ideas there. Be submitted, but be specific. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out <clears throat> and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So that's pretty general of a request. Have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. And Jesus, verse 49, stood still and commanded him to be called. And, they, and I, I love Jesus. He has a blind man, and Jesus doesn't go to him. He stands still and says, you come to me. Isn't that harder for the blind guy to come to the guy who can see? What's he saying? He's saying, is it really important? Do you really believe I can heal? Faith. And, uh, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, look what, he, look what he says, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Be specific. What do you want done? I want you to bless me. Okay, you're blessed. No, no, he wants him to be specific. The blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. 
Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I think it's important to be specific. You ever go to a restaurant and uh, say, uh, you know, someone comes and says, oh, can, we take, can you take your order? Yeah, whatever you think. Bless me with something good. When you go shopping, do you just go into the grocery store and say, I'll take a bag of groceries, please. Well, what do you want? Oh, whatever you think. No, you're pretty specific about those things. You've got a shopping list and you're specific. By the way, wives, can I help you out with something here? If you send your husband to the store, please be specific. Look, we don't know which margarine doesn't spread on bread right. We don't even know what margarine is. Yes. Be specific. Say, Pastor, what's going on in your home life? Nothing. Nothing. Well, I'm just trying to help you out. Look, you know, pick up some bread. You know how many types of bread there are? Well, we eat it every, I don't know what we eat. You, the men don't know. Is it pita? Is it a tortilla? Is the nine-grain gluten-free loaf that tastes like the paper bag it comes in? Be specific. You know, I'm, I'm a cereal junkie, and I've, I've been trying to cut cereal out of my diet. Like, I'm a, that's my addiction. And, uh, and I haven't had cereal for a long time, but I love cereal so much, I think I could eat every meal and be happy. And, uh, but when I, did, when I would send my wife to the grocery store, she said, what do you need from the grocery store? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Not cereal, cinnamon toast, you know, you're specific, right? Get some specific requests that you're asking God for. Bless me, that's, that's, that's a good prayer. Bless me, God. But when you are specific, you notice how he's blessing you. Be specific in your prayers. Andrew Murray, old preacher, many, many years ago, 1800s, wrote many books on prayer, and he said this, our prayers must be a distinct expression of definite need, not a vague appeal to his mercy or an indefinite cry for blessing. Ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Ask God for things. I've told this story before. It's a silly story. It's, it's so silly. But to me, it, it was a teaching point. I remember I was at college, and at college, you know, you're, you're tired all the time, well, I think that's pretty much just life, right? We're just tired all the time. And, uh, and I was tired. I was going through. I got up early, and I went to breakfast. I hardly ever went to breakfast at college, and it was hardly ever worth it. But anyway, I hardly ever went to breakfast, and, and some of you know. If you know, you know. But uh, I'd go through, and, and I saw there, like, uh, uh, you know, they had the biscuits, and I was like, oh, yes. I'm a southern boy. I love biscuits. You know, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, uh, and I went to the, to the jelly place where, you know, the little plastic thing that holds all the little individual jellies, you know, and I'm a, I'm a grape jelly guy. I like grape. I told you recently, my son bought me a big pack of just grape Skittles for Christmas and, uh, and ordered them or something, and I, I, just, I just love grape, and I went through, and this is going to sound so silly, you're going to be like, you, you, you were on something, Pastor, but I wasn't. I went through, and, and I, was, I was having a rough time, and I was looking through the, gra- through the jelly basket, there was only strawberry. I like strawberry, but grape is better. And I looked through and I was like, you know, of course, of course, of course. Last straw, right? I mean, like, someone, probably the guy right in front of me took the last grape jelly. And I stood there and I said, Lord, I'm standing right in front of the jelly packets. And I said, Lord, can I have some grape jelly? And I looked down, and I'm not lying. 
it all turned into grape jelly. No, I was kidding. <laughs> Embellishing the story now. Some of you are like, turn water into wine, Pastor? No, but I honestly, I remember this. And, and, and I looked down, and sitting exactly on the top was one packet of grape jelly. And I know that to you didn't mean anything. Like, you're like, what? You, you just didn't see it the first time. I was going through it, okay? I don't know how it got there. It, it might have been there the whole time. But all I felt in my heart, I was like, it's a grape jelly. You know, I was just like, it's so important to me. You know, I, have it, I still have that packet in my office. No, I didn't. But, but you know what it did? It just felt like, to me, I looked at that and I grabbed it. And I was like, yes. And honestly, it just taught me that God loves me. I know that sounds silly. God loves his children. Have you ever just seen God bless you for no reason and felt like, God, you're just spoiling me? You know why you don't, if you don't? Because you're not asking. Because when you ask, and that you, you begin, when you ask stuff, you begin to notice stuff. And, and I would encourage you, I know that's a silly illustration, I get it. It means something to me, it doesn't mean anything to you, but, but I'm saying you ought to be praying specifically, God, bless in this way. And then when, when God shows you the little packet, the specific prayer, you're like, you did that. It wasn't coincidence, it wasn't chance, God, you did. And he becomes more real in your life. Now, not all prayers that you pray are going to get answered instantly. If you're sick and you pray, God, give me healing, you probably won't just automatically feel better. But can I tell you, if you, don't have, if you say, Pastor, I'm not getting any, any answers to prayer, I will give you one prayer that always gets answered right away. Confess your sin. Every time you go to God confessing sin, you can know that your prayer is answered immediately. I need to get some answers. Confess sin. God will answer that one. He'll do it immediately. I want to just say tonight, be submitted and be specific in your prayer. But lastly, be steadfast. Be steadfast in your prayers. Luke 18, 1, he spake a parable. We're talking about parables on Sunday morning, right? And he spake a parable unto them, saying that men ought always to pray and not to faint. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Stay in a continual state of prayer. We may say, live a Christ-centered life 24-7. <clears throat> the one great conditions for Christians to get answers to prayer is for them to pray. Why am I not getting answers to prayer? Are you praying? Are you faithfully praying? And I want to encourage you tonight, stay faithful. Most people have not because they asked not, or they asked one time and they didn't ask again. But you know, if you're praying for somebody to get saved, or you're praying for God to do something, you're praying for revival, you're praying for visitors, you're praying for, for God to work in some way, keep praying. You have a need in your life, keep praying. You, you, you're thinking, hey, there's this health situation, keep praying. Don't give up on that. You keep going to God again and again and again, and you keep praying. It could be the answer's on the way. You just got to keep praying. Don't get so caught up in the procedure of prayer. Focus on the practice of prayer. Say, what do you mean? Well, should I stand up? Should I sit down? Do I lay on my face? Do I kneel? Do I pray in Jesus' name? Do I, do I say magic words? Do I, did I ask for too much? Did I not ask for enough? Don't, don't overanalyze it. Just pray. It's more important that you pray. God can teach you how to pray if you're just willing to pray. Don't get so caught up in that. The, the important question, are you praying? Don't get so caught up in the language of prayer. Say, what do you mean? 
oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or is it Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham? Am I supposed to say, uh, bless this food to my body, the nourishment of my body? Am I supposed to say, uh, you know, this too shall pass? Uh, you know, what are the cliches? What am I supposed to be saying here? No, God wants your heart. Pray from your heart. God, this is how I feel. God, this is what I want. This is what I need. God, help me. He knows you. He knows you better than you know you. But don't, focus on a life of prayer. It's not enough to get up and say a few words and then live your life as an unsafe person. No, none of that. We're supposed to be 24-7, 24-7 living a Christ-centered life. J.C. Penney, we all know J.C. Penney, his store at the mall, all right? He's not there, okay? Um, but he, he said this, he was a Christian, and he said, very brief thoughts, mental invocations can hold a man in the presence of God. What's he saying? Just even a brief thought about God throughout the day. That's why on your screen, we, we tried to give you a way to on your screensaver, let me find my phone, to be able to see 24-7 a, a, a Christ-centered life. We try, try to put it on your computer, other things, so that just throughout the day you can pause and pray. Pause and acknowledge God. Pause and, and talk to him and, and, and just be connected to God throughout the whole day in just a couple seconds. By God, I haven't forgotten I want to live for you today. Help me live for you today. Just in a couple seconds, living that way for God. I wonder how many blessings and answers to prayer we would have if we simply prayed more. Our church will be strengthened when the people of our church get serious about prayer, get serious about individual prayer, about collective prayer, about corporate prayer, about small group prayer. I heard a, as I uh, say this quote and I'm done, I heard a quote uh, from a, a pastor many years ago. I try to read a lot of old preachers, people that are already in heaven because I know they finished right. And here's what one person said. It was so convicting to me. Christ went more readily to the cross than we do to the throne of grace. Why is it so hard for us to go to prayer? Christ went more, went more readily to the cross than we do to the throne of grace. I want to just challenge you tonight to get serious about prayer in your personal life. To get serious about prayer. And, and when we, we, we pray in our church on Wednesdays and other days, that it's not just the time where we're checking our phone. And No, we need to get serious. Are we praying for one another? When you see someone in church dealing with something or you know somebody has fallen or messed up in some way, are you praying? Are you praying for them? You have to tell everybody. Are you praying? Let's get back to being the type of Christians that God wants us to be. Our Father, we, we come before you tonight in prayer. God, help us to know your will. Help us to do your will. God, help us to be submitted. When we ask for things, God, may we come to you with, with a submitted heart. Lord, I pray for your help.